It's your host, Sean. Joined. Steve O.G. bro. Joined. By the man that will violate you. The man that will desecrate you. And the man that will penetrate you. Steve O.G. Oh, you're talking to me? <laughs> I was looking around the room. Join us as we open the Extreme Wrestling Archive. ECW. The night the line was crossed. Why are we staring at each other? So, first match. Sal Balomo versus Curtis Hughes with Jason. Do you remember Curtis Hughes? No, he's a big black man. Called the Roughneck. What about Sal Balomo? You remember him? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, well, since you are not familiar with Curtis Hughes... Tell me, tell me a little bit about Curtis Hughes. <laughs> Curtis Hughes. He started wrestling in 1987. He actually went to Kansas State where he played football. KSU. What are they? The Jayhawks? What are they? <laughs> <laughs> no, keep, just keep going. This is fun. <laughs> I'm done guessing. You were, the Jayhawks are just Kansas. Uh, you were in the right state. Hey. All right. What is Kansas State then? The Fauxhawks. Yep. <laughs> uh, he, he began wrestling in the AWA, which if you remember, that's where Bad Company is from. Tanaka and Diamond. He appeared in the AWA, and then in 1990, he was actually in WCW. He took on the heel enforcer gimmick, which honestly I think is the only thing he could do, because he seems pretty terrible at everything else. He became Lex Luger's bodyguard. To be to, to... To make sure everybody understands, that was Lex Luger, not Lex Luthor. <laughs> Correct. Two and different people. Why does Lex Luger need a bodyguard? In case Superman gets confused <laughs> about who's committing world That's Lex Luthor. Crimes. Right. Well, what if Superman got confused? I'm saying Lex Luger. Oh, I see what you're saying. And he got confused and went after Lex Luger. Right. Okay. Like, Lex Luthor's trying to, like, Shrink the world down into the size of like a like a, a gra- like a, you could hold in his hand a grape nut. Yeah, Superman's like, oh hell no! And then he like, and then he showed up. And looks w- like w- he w- asked, w- he asked Suri like, where's Lex? <laughs> where's Suri? Where's Lex Luthor? And then Suri can't hear. And then she tells him where Lex Luger is, and then goes and beat the shit out of Lex Luger at the WCW event. And then Lex Luthor proceeds just, to shrink the world. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's, that could happen. Okay. <laughs> All right. Curtis Hughes, he asked. It's like sh- how Ryan Adams and Ryan Adams <laughs> have the same birthday. Do they? Yeah. Who is Ryan Adams? He's a sing songer. Yeah. Didn't, is, does he like sing like. Songs. <laughs> and he writes them? Yeah. But are they like folk or what genre? Yeah. They're kind of like a. Jack Johnson. They're like singer songwriter folk. Who did he date? Somebody famous, right? Miley Cyrus or something? I don't think so. No, I don't know. So, Curtis Hughes, he actually showed up in WWF, too, and feuded with The Undertaker, where he even stole his urn. Now you know what that means. That's That holds The Undertaker's power. In real life, it holds burnt-up dead bodies. He probably just keeps, like, his change in there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what he takes to the laundromat. <laughs> 
when he washes his garments. <laughs> right. His, yeah. His undertaker and his ascot. Does yeah, he, he have an ascot? Walks in, he walks into the laundromat to wash his, uh, his like, lacy fucking... Shredded. Shredded. <laughs> undertaker. Pants. Garb. Yeah, and his, and his uh, American badass bandanas. <laughs> and he, uh... And his ascot. He just dumps the change out from his, from his funeral urn. Does Paul Bearer carry it for him? Yeah. I would think Paul Bearer would just do his laundry. Well, not anymore. He's dead. Well, back then. This is like 93, dude. Okay. Yeah. All right. He shows up here with the sexiest man on earth, Jason. Do you think he was the sexiest man on earth? No. No, me neither. But does he just he just goes by the name Jason? Like Oprah? He just goes by Oprah? <laughs> well, he is Jason Knight, okay. technically. He was right. the one that Public Enemy beat the crap out of. Right, yeah. He, but, so just, to, just to clarify, he's not at one name No, popularity status. Yet. He's okay. not one name so he still status. has two names, like, like the rest of us. Like Hap Set. What? Or Cleopatra? Prince? Pharaohs. They only had one name, didn't they? No, King Tut. <laughs> his, his first name was King, and his last name was Tut? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he is very intimidating, but also very limited, much like a big man. He's and, actually six... And me. And you. <laughs> he, but this guy is six six, like 375 pounds. You're like four six. 375 pounds! <laughs> Sorry, you're going. <laughs> uh, here he has the roughneck gimmick, which uh, is a thuggish rough... Street smart. Type. So he doesn't have acting on the back of his neck? No. Okay. Or he doesn't have, like, sandpaper right there, or... Uh, why would you use sandpaper on your neck? I don't know. What if he... No. There's no... <laughs> there's no... Even... What if you were a lover? Unlogic- there's, no, there's no reason why you would ever do that. <laughs> what if you... Uh... No. <laughs> nope. Okay. You got nothing. Alright. So, Sabaloma. He's back from being put out by the Rock and Rebel, if you remember, at Ultra Clash. Rock and Rebel and the ball huggers put out like Sabaloma, like a fire. Like no, hit him with Uncle the chair. Carl putting Jazzy Jeff out out, <laughs> out the pasture. <laughs> no, he, he hit him in the head with the chair and put him out of business. Mm, Broke his jaw. Detached his retina. Mm. Sounds horrible. Yeah. So here they are. It uh, looks like Sablomo had, uh, I don't know if you remember this, it looked like he had orthopedic sketchers on. He did. He had the step-ups or mm-hmm. the shape-ups, whatever they were called. Start off this match showcasing uh, Hughes's, Hughes's power in heel-type tactics. Like choking. <laughs> Eye-raking, stuff like that. Heel power. <laughs> They do a try and knock the big guy down spot, but uh, that's broken up by Jason. And then Mr. Hughes just wins with a sidewalk slam. Boom. And that was it. That was your opening match. What are your thoughts on that? I still just don't know why he would have had sandpaper on his neck. <laughs> You're very upset by that. I just don't I don't understand. Alright. It could be. You never know. No, I know. Okay. So this is a quick match. Uh, I guess it's just trying to get Hughes over. That works with Sal Baloma because he's kind of like a big face in the ECW. Although he did not do that standing drop kick that he always did. The only move he ever does. The standing drop he kick. He's keeping it. He's saving he it for... Safe. Yeah. So I did miss that. I bet that would have hurt more with orthopedic shoes on. Because <laughs> <laughs> the soles are thicker. So yeah, there was no real storyline to that match. Just 
introduced. I think it was the first time Hughes really wrestled. So, not that great. Not even a good opener. Kind of boring. So, anything else on that? No? Alright. Next one. Sweet match. The double dog collar match. Remember this one? I do. Okay, this was the Sandman and Tommy Cairo versus the Pitbull and the Rockin' Rebel. Not an actual Pitbull. No, no. For those of you who didn't see the match. No. <laughs> and not Pitbull. Pitbull. Not like the rapper? Di- like a different Pitbull. Not from the 305. The Pitbull, not Pitbull. And, this is the Pitbull. And Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so who is the Pitbull, Steve, you might ask yourself? No, I'm going to ask you. Who's oh, you're going to ask me? Okay. <laughs> Shun. <laughs> there you go. Shonathan. Yeah, there you go. Who is the Pitbull? All right, so the Pitbull, Gary Wolf. He started in the TWA. No, I know why he goes by Pitbull. <laughs> why does he go by the Wolf? <laughs> it's right there for you. I know. Why do you himself. Why do you have to think it's on the box there? Your left is Wolf. He does Wolf. He does Gary the Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> he doesn't want to. He wants to distance himself from his real name. <laughs> He, just, he doesn't want to shame his, his family name, his father's name. And his father's father's name. <laughs> Gary the Pitbull Wolf. Uh, <laughs> so he actually started in TWA, uh, made a couple appearances in ECW in like early 92, but this is the first time he's showed up on a ma- major card. He debuted earlier in 94, I think at the last television taping, where he actually lost lost to the Chad Austin. Remember him? He won the only? Yeah. So, afterwards he destroyed Austin, only to be saved by the Sandman. Then, this kind of setting up what the match is about. Then, in a match with the Sandman versus Pitbull, Jason caused the Sandman to lose via countout. Post-match, Jason and the Pitbull kind of beat him down, the same man that is, and humiliated him in front of his hometown crowd. Then, in a match versus her that pitted Cairo versus Pitbull, Jason attacked Cairo after his victory, and the Pitbull attacked Cairo after the match, put his dog collar on him, and for some reason, then the Rock and Rebel came down and tried to help him out. I think Jason was managing him at the time, so they're kind of stable mates. And then this, in turn, caused the Sandman to come down to help Cairo. So Cairo and the Sandman pulled off a victory later in that night, only to be attacked by Curtis Hughes post match. So this part. After this match, they actually hung the Sandman with the dog collar over the ropes, pretty much trying to kill him on TV. To death. Correct. By hanging. Hung. Hung jury. So that's what led to this match. Pretty much just a bunch of outside interference, including all four men, using the dog collar, hence a dog collar match, hence double dog collar match. Hence a tag team double dog collar match. Why was there a dog collar to begin with? The pit bull. That's, that's the whole reason. Like he it, went with the pit bull dynamic. As, do you see dog collars on wolves? That, well, that's, I thought he was a wolf. No, he's not a wolf. Remember, he's trying because to distance. Because he had a dog collar. 
Correct. Had he not had the dog collar. If he was Gary the Wolf, Wolf, then he would have no reason to have a dog collar in this match. would not make any sense. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> that is booking to the extreme, dude. That's like higher level. That's <laughs> true. Like, uh, what was that? Concrete thinking and uh, Erickson and other people that do psychology. <laughs> you remember that? Not not the Viking Eric Erickson. Leif. <laughs> oh, Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson. No, not him. Erickson, the guy who did like the psychology. I don't know. Didn't you pay attention in psychology? Me neither. Probably not. Me Freud. <laughs> I remember that one. So in this match, Cairo, Sandman, they come out to "We Will Rock You." Rock you. Correct. And they're also wearing dog colors. Rock and Rebel and the Pitbull come out to Thunder Kiss 65, which is a pretty sweet song. Are you familiar? I'm not. Uh, white Zombie? I'm familiar with that. Oh. Can, you, can you sing the song for me? <laughs> In a slower, more melodic. Like a lounge version? Yes. Like music. <laughs> no, I actually don't really know the words to it. I just know the guitar riff at the beginning. Could you play it on a mandolin? On a guitar. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, they come out with Jason, who was in the previous match with Hughes, but he came out in a different suit. Which he didn't have much time to change, so that's pretty impressive. So, his evening attire on Correct. Cairo is collared to the Pitbull, and the Sandman is collared to the Rebel. So they're not all connected. They're just two people connected to each other. Line segments. Correct. So immediately they go to the outside. Pitbull, he takes a chair to Cairo. They brawl into the stand. <laughs> Rebel and Cairo, they get busted open pretty quickly, which little, is nice. A little, little bit of blood. Absolutely. There was some of your favorite chain whipping. There's a, a good amount of chain whipping. Yeah. Match. And eventually, Sandman, he gets backdropped through a table. Which is pretty sweet, you know. So, Pitbull and Cairo finally make it back to the ring. Rebel, he eventually even pile drives the Sandman through a table, which is nice. But it's multiple tables. Gotta keep those table companies in business. Yeah. There's a pretty awesome spot, which gets a nice reaction from the crowd, is that pile driving the Sandman through the table, so do get to work the crowd a little bit there. Sandman and Cairo meet each other, which Sandman completely, like, they run into each other. They, he completely no-sells it. Cairo ends up pinning the Pitbull with a belly-to-belly -belly suplex as the Sandman hog-ties him. So he can't kick out? So he hog-ties the Pitbull, Gary Wolf. <laughs> it's a lot of farm animals. He wolf-tied him. <laughs> Oh, God. Post-match beatdown by Pitbull, Rebel, and Jason until the Sandman clears the ring. So, finally. This is the ECW stuff that I like to see. As Aggressive, no-holds-bar. Shenanigans. Brawling. Blood. Weapons. Gimmicks. Gimmicks. Blood. Brawling. Wolves. And wolves. Wolves. Have you ever had... That's what I said. Wolves. said wolves. 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 Have you ever had wolf cola? No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anything else on that match? 
No. You know. Le- I like a good weapon fight. Like the barbed wire baseball bat match. Mm. You love that shit. Yeah. Next up, we got uh, the Public Enemy versus the Bruise Brothers. It's like blues, but it's but it's bruise. <laughs> like when you get black and blue mark in the body. Black and blue. Blood it should be the black and blue brothers. No. All right, this match is no rules. So what are the rules? There are no rules. So there's no rules. No. Does that mean there wouldn't be like a pinfall or? Like how, how do you win? What is there a referee? Yeah. To, to do what? Count the pinfall. To not enforce the not rules, <laughs> or to enforce. What them? if they start following? Like, what if they there to make sure like they don't follow the rules? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he actually, if they start following the rules, he counts to five. So the rule is there are no <laughs> rules, which would be a rule. Correct. So now we're trapped in some sort of conundrum. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a so oxymoron? You, you can't no. You can't say that there are no rules because that would make it a rule. There's only one rule. There are no rules. Would that work? Yeah. There's one rule. Yeah. But then you say there are no rules. It'd be better if there were, it said there are no known rules. Meaning there could be rules, but we just don't know what they are. Oh, that's a good like idea. like a twist. <laughs> like M Night Shyamalan. Don't even get me going on that. <laughs> I think that's two episodes in a row we brought him up. It's too many times. <laughs> too, too many? All right. So this one, it's, we're introduced to the Bruise Brothers, who were actually introduced prior, a couple weeks prior on TV, if you were watching, which I know you weren't. Are they actual brothers? They, they're twins. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Todd Gordon brought them in because the public enemy they really wanted to be on this card so they had an open contract to anyone so todd gordon filled it with the bruise brothers who were actually in smoky mountain and they were quote-unquote too violent for smoky mountain so todd gordon brought them into eastern championship wrestling blue band because too if they're too violent for another organization they're perfect all right, so the Bruce Brothers, they're Ron and Don Harris, and they became pro wrestlers in the 80s, spent most of their time prior to this in the USWA. Like I said, they were in Smoky Mountain, where they had some hardcore matches, and then actually post this, post ECW, they actually ended up in WWF at a time, where they were called the Blue Brothers or the Grim Twins, and eventually they showed up in the Attitude Era. Can you think of that? Of what they were in the Attitude Era. No. Oh. Do you remember the gang wars when they had the Nation of Domination? They had Los Bariquas. And then they had the Disciples of Apocalypse. Yeah. That chain, like, crushes group. They yeah. were Chains and Eight Ball. No shit. Yeah, the ball, they were bald yeah. then. Yeah, that was Ron and Don Harris. <laughs> It would go on to be in the WWF under multiple gimmicks, but here they are as just the Bruise Brothers, which is one one of their more um, original gimmicks. Like I said, too violent for Smoky Mountain, so they sign the open contract to fight the public enemy in ECW. Are you satisfied with that background? You've satisfied me. Okay. For the first time. <laughs> tonight. I am not a very satisfying person. 
I don't know. And Steve does not satisfy easily. No, I do not. Steve OG. All right, so the public enemy bum rushes the Bruce Brothers at the beginning. Immediate brawling to the outside. So no rules. So they grab some weapons. Eventually they make their way to the snack bar in the back, I think I saw them. Well, they made, I think they left the weapon back there. Did they? <laughs> they left a weapon back there? Was it a Snickers bar? No, it was a club. <laughs> Alright, so eventually Rock will Rock, he gets slammed through a table. Some more table use. Can never have enough. Both Public Enemy, they get pretty busted open. Looks pretty sweet. They brawl into the eagle's nest, where uh, Rocco Rock actually gets slammed on Joey Styles' announce table. Which... And to recap, the eagle's nest is neither the child care facility at a grocery store, nor Hitler's house. Or the fan section at a Philadelphia Eagles game. That's called the eagle's nest, right? Well, it should be. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good idea. But it's actually kind of up, set up back in the... The state or the the stadium, <laughs> the, the gym, <laughs> the uh, all-purpose gym, <laughs> the convention or no, what are those called? Conven- convention convenience convenience stores. <laughs> but it's set back, so you know the commentator can kind of look down on the action. Um, but they make their way over to it, and one of the Bruce brothers slams Rocco Rock through it. Actually, I don't think he gets slammed through. I think the table is nice and sturdy because it holds all of his equipment. It actually doesn't break. So I think that would hurt worse. Yeah, for sure. So they do make it back to the ring, and then eventually Johnny Grunge throws powder in the eyes of one of the Blues Brothers. Rocco Rock hits the other one with a 2x4, pins him, and gets the victory. So despite getting their asses kicked the entire time, Public Enemy is able to incapacitate one of them, and take out the other one and pin them. So it's kind of a storyline there at the end. Building. Actually, it shows like a, a decent, or it tells a decent story. And it leads to the finish. So Joey Styles, he made this match pretty sweet on commentary. I just love listening to him on commentary. And the crowd, they're super pumped up, super into it. Really cheering the uh, wrestlers on. So I don't know, for some reason, watching the crowd... Get all excited and yeah, get into when it. The it, crowds into it, it makes you. Yeah, it it makes you more into it. So that's all I got on that one. Anything by you? Anything else you enjoyed? No. You were again satisfied. Deeply. <laughs> all right. So next up, we have uh, Jimmy Snuka with he Hunter just, Q. He just won't quit. No. He just won't go home. He's running on fumes. He just needs to stop. He's with Hunter Q. Robbins the third versus the pretty boy, the young upcomer Tommy the, Dreamer. What does the Q stand for? Mm, Quentin. What's a prominent Q word? Quentin. Quarrelous. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. It's never said. It's a mystery. That's bullshit. <laughs> So, uh, Tommy Dreamer comes out, you see the uh, No Pretty Boys Allowed sign in the front row. Snooka, he's complaining that Tommy Dreamer's too oily. <laughs> you can see him mimicking, like wiping his hand off on the ref shirt, complaining that he's too oily. What's the metric for oiliness? 
Like you get, you're all slippery. Yeah, but like, how do you, how do they measure that? How do they measure what's too oily? Oh yeah, it's, it's kind of like you know how like people tint their windows, and once you get to a certain tint, it's right. too. Yeah. What's, what it, what's the measure for oiliness? <laughs> I don't know. Did they go is by there, sh- is there, sheens? Is there a tool? Uh, do they is measure it, the sheen? Yeah. It was is it like a numeric? I wonder if it's. Scale? I think it's like they use a the refractive index of light. Or, or so, like, how much light is that? Is that it? why that there's like there's like ten W thirty and ten W forty? Like, <laughs> it's less greasy. <laughs> what if they use like banned substances for oiliness? Hmm? What if they use like stuff like motor oil or something? I don't know. Motor oil's not banned. You can buy it like across the street. Right? <laughs> well, I'm saying, wouldn't it be? Yeah, that would make you super slippery. Yeah, make you oily. What about KY jelly or something? Like, there's got to be, that would, I feel like, would be a, technically a banned substance because it'd make you too oily. You'd be greasy as hell. What's the... Where's the cutoff? What's the cutoff of oiliness? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. What is... So, somewhere between just baby oil and... Baby oil is oily. It's got oil right in the name. <laughs> well, then, what else would you oil up with? Pam. Fucking canola oil? Pam. <laughs> That's a spray. <laughs> so somewhere between Pam and motor oil is the cutoff. Motor oil is way too oily. Well, that's what I'm saying. Has, it's somewhere. It also has oil in the name. Well, I'm saying it's somewhere in between there. I get your spectrum off. Sorry, fucking. Where's the oil spectrum? <laughs> that's why I was asking you. <laughs> How am I supposed to? You're, know? The, you're the resident expert here on things. <laughs> on oil? No, on all things wrestling. You knew what the the oil index was. <laughs> All right, I will scour the internet for some kind of oil index, oil index, or oil uh, spectrum. Is that like the color wheel? No. Will there be an oil wheel? No, there's no wheel. It's a line. Spectrum's a line. Oh, uh, okay. Spectrum with a wheel. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's about as much as the sandpaper on your neck. <laughs> God, I am just full of... Or a guy named Wolf who calls you... <laughs> what the hell is going on right now? I'm, uh... I'm slacking today. Snooka complaining that uh, Dreamer's too oily. A lot of typical Snooka stalling at the beginning. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, slowly meandering. Yeah. Or And then Dreamer, he actually goes into the front row, remember? Takes a seat, puts on a dude's hat... Gets in the ring, then he leaves the ring again, takes the hat off, gives it back to the guest after he, you know how oily he is. Right. He sat back down, he read Ulysses twice. (laughs) The entire, he read the entire epic, uh, the Odyssey. Twice. (laughs) Then, then he listened to Freebird and Stairway to Heaven back to back. (laughs) And learn to play them on the guitar. But after that, after all those shenanigans, they finally lock up. Dreamer gives them a scoop slam. Scoop? Which actually turns into more stalling. And then fans, they um, start chanting Piper at Snuka. As in Rowdy Roddy Piper? Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I don't know if that's from WrestleMania 1, but so that was that like 10 years. To, that goes back <laughs> to the days... Of your? Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is. 
Styles, he finally he states that the fans are really getting behind Dreamer. Is that I guess that means because they, by them chanting Piper at Snuka, that means they're... right. They were they were not chanting Snuka's name. They were chanting somebody else's name. <laughs> it wasn't him. Yeah, and they probably felt feel like me that Snuka just needs to go. The hell <laughs> he's not going. Go anywhere. to wherever he goes when he's not going to the there. To the big wrestling you don't ring have, in the sky. You don't have to go home, but when you go, you can't go here. <laughs> I think is what the, they used to say. That, I think that's the saying that they used to say. Uh, Snooka, he eventually uses a chair on Dreamer on the outside, and then it's right next to a sign that says Wet Dreamer, which is that's, that's clever. For the 90s, that's pretty clever. Yeah, because Wet Dreams... Are those still a thing? Hmm? <laughs> I said, are wet dreams still a thing? I don't know. Me neither. I haven't been uh, 12 years old in a very long time. <laughs> that was well over half a lifetime ago. Alright, so uh, Backbreaker on I, Dreamer. I only have dry dreams now. <laughs> and my wet dreams are when I wake up sobbing. Or I've pissed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I've pissed my pants because my... Body is not good at the involuntary function of letting uh, me know that I need to get up. My sphincters are loosening right. in my yeah. bladder and my butthole. What? Loose control of my bowels at times. So a backbreaker by Snooka on Dreamer. And then a superfly splash, which Dreamer kicks out of on two. Now, yeah. I cannot think of anyone ever kicking out of the superfly splash before. Can you? I got nothing for you. No. All right. So... This was back, like, when finishers were... That was it. When they were actually finishing. Maneuvers. Now now finishing moves are just, like, the only move that wrestlers do. <laughs> they just they do just one move. They continually do it yeah. all match. Match long. Yeah. It's kind of dumb now. But, uh, so he kicks out, which Snookus, I think he sells pretty good being, like, pissed off about that, which he should be, rightfully. This is why I was talking about how the older wrestler putting over the younger wrestler. Snooka, like you said, needs to go. Needs to be put out to pasture. But he's still, he let Dreamer kick out of his finisher, which back in the day that no one would have ever done that, you know? Right, that'd be like someone not dying to like an OJ rageful stabbing. <laughs> that would just be rude. So... Um, Snooka goes up to the top, hits a second, and then a third supervised splash. Then supervised finally, splash? Super fly splash. He said supervised. Okay. Like, Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> like he dove off and there were spotters. <laughs> caught him in air and gently <laughs> laid him down. On the <laughs> You're a dick. Alright, so, Jimmy Snooka hits a second super fly splash. Mm-hmm. Then a third. Then he pins Tommy Dreamer. Snooka then gets up, headbutts the ref, and he continues to work over Dreamer. When he lifts him up to kind of give him a chin lock or something, you can see him bleeding from the mouth. Looks gross. Uh, looks like he's bleeding internally. In the first blood match that we saw a while ago, and there was very there was blood. yeah. It was if, if it looked bleeding. yeah if he was bleeding internally like this, I mean that would have been cool. But I think he was just bleeding internally. And you couldn't see it. Superfly goes up for a fourth splash. And then that prompts Todd Gordon to come out. Who tries to stop Snooka only to get double axe handled. Mm. 
and knocked out. Finally, a bunch of jobbers come out to break up the action. They took a break from the convention. The jobber convention. Correct. That wasn't was happening out in the parking lot? Yeah. That's, they were uh, pre-gaming. They were selling. They were uh, selling their gold for cash. <laughs> yeah. Next door. The job they, were, they were flip doing the sign. They were actually the sign flippers from the. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Not much of a match, but uh, it was a very good job by Snuka putting over Dreamer, and then Joey Styles really selling it to him kicking out of the Superfly Splash, which I think was a big deal and was a big deal at that time. What are your thoughts? I'm just thinking about jobbers in the parking lot looking at sign. That's that's all I got in my mind right now. Yeah, or they could have been dancing with the Little Caesars. Either way, there's a sign. Yeah, there's always a sign. Next up, we got Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac versus the original Sheik and Pat Tanaka. Not, not the second Sheik. The original. The original. Okay. So this match came about. As Bad Company was going for the tag belts, the Tasmaniac and Kevin Sullivan gave Paul Diamond, who is Pat Tanaka's normal partner, Bad Company, a spike pile driver, and then an, a couple more pile drivers, and severely injured his neck. Following that, this was previously on the TV shows, the next week, Pat Tanaka announced his partner would be the original Sheik, who he claims chased Kevin Sullivan out of the country. Hence why Kevin Sullivan is always announced as being from Singapore. The country. Mm-hmm. Sullivan, Singapore. The what? Sullivan, Singapore? Yeah. Well, that's how he's always billed. Gotcha. So the original Sheik is a.k.a. Ed Farhat. Um, he's Sabu's legitimate uncle. You know who Sabu is, right? Okay. <laughs> he broke into wrestling in the 50s and 60s, and he wrestled in the WWWF. When there was an extra W. Like the That's internet. going way back. Like the internets. Correct. When the internet... This was w- www.f. <laughs> no, this is when the the internet had an extra W. The internet had four Ws? Yeah, at one point. <laughs> I just completely made that up. I know you did. <laughs> That's why I started to disgust. <laughs> like I just want to rip your arms off. Why? I thought you found the beginning of the internet. Or did you find the end? Not from the end. Oh, you didn't find the beginning. I turned around. It was, I made a wrong turn. <laughs> All right. So uh, he was in the WWF feuding with uh, Bruno Sammartino, who is the longest reigning WWF champion of all time. And I think he's a large man. He's a large man. I think he held it for over seven years at one point, and then four years at another point. So he was gimmicked as a wild man from Syria, like an oil tycoon. Despite he's being from Michigan, where he's from. But he looks like he's foreign, so let's slap a foreign gimmick on him. Oil in Michigan. Do they? Cars there. Uh, His gimmick was that he never ever spoke on camera, much like Sabu took over. He's famous for his hardcore matches and hiding a pencil in his boot, Mm. stabbing people with it, and also throwing fireballs. So this dude's the shit. In other words. Fireballs? Yeah, he throws fireballs. Not the candy. No, he's like, not atomic. Like, he doesn't eat a bunch of atomic. Like fireballs. Street Fighter? Yeah. Fire! <laughs> yeah. Like, burning fire in a ball format that you can throw, throw at like people. Mario. Correct. 
awesome. <laughs> yeah, this dude is the shit. Um, a lot of his gimmick, like I said, it was borrowed by his nephew, Sabu, throughout this scene. So, Tasmaniac and Sullivan, they come out with woman and no belts. Styles state that the belts were held up, but does not say why. So they are not the tag champs anymore. Although I said they were going into the show, all of a sudden they're not when they go out to the ring. So they showed up to the show as the champs, but no, I'm just kidding. Lost them. <laughs> Lost them some. Yeah. Lost them in a poker game. Prior to their match. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, the Sheik comes out with his wild ass entrance where he just knocks over chairs and things. things of that nature, much like Sabu in the previous one. He also runs around and scares the children. So As they should be. He's much like a sideshow freak. He actually knocks over the entrance curtain too, which is pretty funny. So It is funny. <laughs> it's just a flimsy shower curtain. Just a fucking over a door. Yeah. yeah. Held up by three bamboo poles. And a coat hanger. <laughs> Alright, so Tanaka, he hits the ring and attacks the Tasmaniac. Attacks the Tasmaniac almost immediately. Um, Sheik and Sullivan, they brawl com- like all over the arena. I don't think they ever go in the ring. The Sheik, he is not very generous with the selling. Sullivan will like punch him or kick him or whatever. Doesn't phase him. But I'll give him this. He is 70 at this point in time. So fuck it, right? Exactly. <laughs> I showed up. I'm uh, alive. Yeah. Sheik and Sullivan, uh, they get busted open. After brawling into the crowd, so uh, the sheik you can see pretty good gets a nice little cut. Eventually, after most of this brawling, the sheik throws a fireball at the Tasmaniac. I think it was supposed to hit him in the face or whatever. I think it just grazed his calf muscle or his back. But this allowed Tanaka to pin him and get the three. Three. So Tanaka pins for the three after a fireball. Pew. Was shot. Then the Sheik also throws a fireball at Sullivan, um, and then they all brawl to the back, under the curtain. That's still kind of hanging there. (laughs) So, in my opinion, there is, and probably yours, there comes a time when uh, you need to hang up the tights. Yeah. And I think for the Sheik, that was probably about 20 years prior to this. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess he brings an element in with, he's still blades, got bloody, throwing fire. So I guess if you're doing that at 70, you're okay to come in. Snooker does and not. And you can put him up on the old, the old marquee. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wasn't very long, which was also a bonus. Right. So the brawling wasn't that great because the Sheik really didn't sell it that well. <laughs> so, But it was it was short, so I was able to stump the kid. It was okay. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. The Sheik is just an old, old structure where a man... Heads it's <laughs> that's what that's why the match was fast because they were like, okay, we don't want to we don't want to break to have a heart attack here, yeah, or his bones to crumble in an oily, goopy mess <laughs> that Tommy Dreamer would then apply to him. Would the would the more oily? Would the would that be more oily than motor oil? I don't know. There's only two ways to find out. <laughs> All right, next up we got J T Smith versus Mike Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So Mike Awesome, a.k.a. Michael Alfonso, he debuted in 1989. He is awesome at six foot six and 300 pounds. 
And then my huge boner, you know, is the big, huge dudes that can fly through the air with the greatest of ease, like Paul Diamond. Wait, what? That's my favorite. Oh. <laughs> Mike Awesome is <laughs> Mike Awesome is bigger than than Paul Diamond and flies more through the air. So I love. And him. everything's bigger than your big boner. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Even an ant boner. Alright, so he wrestled for various promotions prior to ECW, including the USWA and WCW, but he made his name in Japan, much like Sabu. Big in Japan? Very big. In real life and in Japan. Mike Awesome, he was in a shitload of like barbed wire matches and all that, that FMW is famous for. So I think we talked about it last time. So JT Smith attacks... Mike Awesome before the bell, which usually would piss me off if Face attacked a heel before the bell, but considering the size of Mike Awesome, I think, and the size of J.T. Smith, and how J.T. Smith has a bum knee all the time, I think that's the best strategy for him, is to just fucking cheat. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of power moves by Awesome, and that ends up changing the momentum. Uh, He's got an awesome belly-to-belly suplex. He also does a suicide dive to JT. I don't know if you remember that. But uh, Smith goes up against the rail, and I swear to God, he almost like bends backwards in half. <laughs> breaks his back. So Mike Awesome, he signals for the powerbomb, but Smith rolls him up for the three. So three. believe it or not, JT Smith won this match. Which I, I've mentioned before, but Todd Gordon, whenever he hired someone new, he automatically made them job their first match. Just... Uh, just to show that you're a team player and willing to do everything. So, after this pin, uh, Mike Awesome obviously gets very pissed as JT Smith fucking bolts, which I would have too. He gives the ref two power bombs, <laughs> and then if you remember, he was gonna jump off the top rope, I do <laughs> and the rope broke, and he just face planted. Oh my god, it was so funny. <laughs> After he lays there in shame for like five seconds, he gets up and just throws the turnbuckle on the ref and leaves the ring. I guess he handled it pretty well. So, But the cheap played against sports ECW ring could not hold him in his 300 pounds. The, the plastic uh, ropes. <laughs> Which I don't understand because remember the headhunters? They were coming off the top rope and they weighed more than him. They loosened him up, bro. Oh, that would happen. The ring was, uh, it wasn't reinforced. They were jump ropes. Just tied <laughs> you know how they always say they have to reinforce a ring when there's more weight in right. it? They forgot to do that. They, yeah, they do so, to me, Mike Awesome looked incredible. Love Mike Awesome. Put him against J.T. Smith was a good idea because uh, J.T. Smith will always take, like, hard bumps. And, Especially to the knee. Yeah. And so, Mike Awesome can kind of destroy him to get himself over. And that suicide dive just looked so brutal. Where vicious. he got pinned vicious up again. Really yeah. Vicious. It looked yes. almost like he seriously broke his back. And it's played multiple times in the future. So that looks like it hurt. Any thoughts for you? It was an ouchie. An ouchie. Any other thoughts you can think of? I have no thoughts. You can't think of any more thoughts? I have zero thoughts. Okay. Alright, next up, we have our main event. Okay. Sean, who was in the main event? <laughs> main event was Sabu versus Shane Douglas versus Terry Funk. That was a trumpet. 
Thank you for clarifying. So this is a three-way match, which pretty unusual at this point. All three men in the same ring at the same time. Simultaneously. Together. Continuously. Can you give me some background? <laughs> like, what happened previously to the match? Well, Steve OG. Then let us hear. Okay, Steve OG. Well, Steve OG. The background to this match was Sabu won the title from can Douglas. You, can you give me the foreground as well? <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> okay, as long as we... So, Sabu won the title from Douglas back at Blood Feast, 93. The last one we did. Fest. Feast. Feast. Correct. Thank you. Like Thank you for clarifying Like that. Thanksgiving dinner. Of blood. Of blood. <laughs> Just a nice bowl of blood. <laughs> a soup. Blood sauce. A mashed blood. Uh, blood soup. Roasted blood. Clots. Roasted blood clots. Hmm? No. That just sounds gross. Disgusting. <laughs> Why do you clot? It's just like fucking, That's a bunch of blood put like, together. No, it's like hard blood. It's your plate. Like scab stew. No one wants that. <laughs> I want to eat scab stew. <laughs> oh god. People are people aren't people are gonna leave your home. My Thanksgiving. Yeah. My blood feast. My they would leave. They'd be like, yeah. alright, this is just low class. <laughs> Serving clots. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I mean, if it's a casserole, I guess that's different. But why would you be serving casserole at a, at a, at a formal dinner? At a fancy party, yeah. <laughs> What's going to be next, hamburger helper? <laughs> All right, so Sabu won the title. Scab stew. <laughs> Not scab stew. Casserole. Sabu. <laughs> Not scab stew, Sabu. My apologies. I mis I misheard you. I misrepresented what you I heard you. Alright, so Sabu won the title from Douglas back at Blood Feast ninety three, which Douglas was not happy about. He was so he had emotions that were not positive. Correct. Mm-hmm. Also, Douglas was originally brought in with Polly to be part of the Dangerous Alliance. And this was fine by Douglas. Until Paul E. announced that Douglas would have a bodyguard, which was Sabu. This pissed off Douglas. So this caused a split in the Dangerous Alliance and caused a lot of heat between Sabu and Douglas. So they don't like each other. Now, Sabu, he was the world champ and he defeated Funk at November to Remember 93. I remember. (laughs) I almost forgot last time. Remember, remember. There was a which uh, there was a special tag match, which if Funk and Sabu's titles were on the line. Sabu actually ended up pinning Funk to win his TV title. So at that point, Sabu is the world and TV t- champion. So at Holiday Hell ninety three, which was held the day after Christmas, Funk faced Sabu for the heavyweight title, and with the help of Shane Douglas, defeated Sabu to win the heavyweight title. Stir in the pot. I got it. it. You got it? You keep it on? You don't need a flowchart? I got a flowchart for my brain. Okay. Douglas then interfered to make his match with Funk at... Oh, and because uh, prior to this Sabu-Funk match... Douglas and 
Douglas and Funk had a match after, on the 5th of January. But now that Douglas had interfered, this made it a world title, or a heavyweight title match. So that's why Douglas interfered in the Sabu-Funk match, to make his upcoming match with Funk a heavyweight title match. So the Douglas-Funk match went to a 45-minute time limit draw, which was shown, like I think, in its entirety on TV. So, as you can see, a lot of effort and storyline were put into this match, and therefore this time there's a 60-minute time limit draw, because there's no way they'll get that long. I mean, they went to the 45-minute time limit draw, but there's no way they'll ever go to the 60-minute time limit draw, right? No, can't do it. Yeah. So, this means there will definitely be a winner tonight. Right? Has to be. Has to be. Tonight. So do you get what's going on? I do. Okay. A lot of storyline, which is nice. I like that. As long as you're following along, it makes sense. Just like third grade. So there is kind of like, <laughs> like a stipulation or like a premise to this match, which is Sabu and Douglas start the match, and if there is a winner within the first 15 minutes, they will immediate, that winner will immediately face Funk for the title. If not, Funk will join the match if it's still in progress at the 15-minute mark, making it a three-way match. That's a pretty cool stipulation. I never really thought of it. Never really heard of something like that before, so pretty sweet. All right, so Douglas is out first with Sherry Martel. And as Sabu is being introduced, Paul E. actually bum-rushes the ring and nails Sherry Martel on the back of the head with the phone. That looked mm. fucking painful. And phones in the 90s were much larger than they are today. Very, very large. Although they're starting to get larger again. Do you, you see the uh, new iPhone? Rather than having a code to put in or a fingerprint, it's facial recognition. You just like look at your phone and then it'll look at your face and unlock if you are who you are. And, uh, yesterday, John Cena posted on, on Twitter... Um, how am I going to be able to open my iPhone? He can't see me. <laughs> Did he really? I kind of I, 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 kind of almost liked John Cena for a minute. <laughs> for a minute. Yeah, that's funny. So, Sherry Martel, uh, she drops like a light. But this causes Douglas to attack Paul E. And then finally Sabu comes out and attacks Douglas, causing the match. To begin. And begin. Okay. Step one. Stage one. <laughs> first I, thing that happens. First thing I notice that happened is I think Joey Styles is having some kind of technical difficulties. Does well, that... Or you uh, <laughs> no, I don't yeah, I don't even yeah, hear that. My, yeah. So Are you having some technical difficulties? <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't think Are you he having actually some emotional difficulties right now. Yeah, I'm always having emotional difficulties. So um, eventually, his mic gets fixed, though. Um, but it, I don't. He's not calling any moves for like the first couple minutes. He's just letting it happen. Just maybe see, that's it. Letting the audience and the viewers soak savor it, the action. Soak it in. Just soaking it in. Is that what it is? Like the uh, oil on Tommy Dreamer's <laughs> sandpaper. You don't want it. You know. <laughs> Not Tommy Dreamer has a sandpaper neck. I don't know. I've, the maybe rubber, everybody does. I don't know. 
Tommy Dreamer wouldn't want the oil to soak in, right? He kind of wanted it to like stay on his body. Which is why he would put sandpaper on his neck so the oil wouldn't run off. Correct. So what's wrong with having sandpaper for a neck then? So many reasons. But there's at least one right reason. No, that's not. It's not good enough for <laughs> Why? That, that's a, a load of moves go to your neck, so that you'd want that to be the slipperiest part. Slipperiest? Slipperiest. Well, wait, why would you want a slippery neck? So you can get out of the moves. So you can slip out. Like mm-hmm. head locks and chin locks and sleeper holds. You could, If you had a fucking slippery neck, you just slide right out of there. Yeah, whoop. like a snake. Like just whoop. Although having sandpaper would be, I think... Would, counter would defeat the purpose <laughs> I think it would just make it would just make your neck a normal it would make it harder to get out <laughs> you'd have it would have grip <laughs> exactly well I'm saying if you had oil on the grip though it would make it just like a normal neck it would be a normal human oily it would just be like a regular neck yeah. like not having an oily or <laughs> correct so it'd be no need for either of them uh, uh, correct yeah it would, they would cancel each other out what happened in this match? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go on about the sandpaper neck. No. Okay. We're done. At least for now. I'm going to do some research. <sighs> about sandpaper? Yeah. And next. All right. So we get a couple Sabu chants. Sabu, he then displays some athletic prowess with flips and jumps and things of that nature. Douglas, uh, he bridges out of a dragon sleeper and hits a nice neck breaker. Which fucking impressed me, because I did not know Sabu was capable of doing moves like that. Like the Dragon Sleeper and what have you. I was just Googling Sandpaper Neck. <laughs> That's an actual thing. Is it? For guitar necks. Oh. Uh, <laughs> see? Mm-hmm. But you could put one on your human neck. Alright, so Sabu, he works over the right shoulder of Douglas. And then, as at, right after that... Douglas drops his right elbow on Sabu, but he sells it like that was a dumb idea. You know, he's like, ah, he was just hurting my shoulder, and now I dropped my shoulder on it. Boom. So, that's higher level selling there, which a lot of people don't do. Like I said previously, when Paul Diamond got his knee worked over, he came in immediately and super kicked the, what was it, public enemy? So, Sabu, like I was saying earlier, when you got very distracted and sidetracked, he was working over the right shoulder of Douglas, and Douglas drops the right elbow and sells it like, why did I do that? Because it's stupid. Pain. My shoulder hurts, and I use my elbow, and they're connected with the arm bone. <laughs> Correct. The upper arm bone. So, that's good selling. Love that shit. So, they actually uh, do some great in-ring work for about 10 plus minutes. So the first 10 minutes. Uh, eventually, though, they do go to the outside. Sabu sets up Douglas on a table for a moonsault, but Douglas moves and Sabu crashes through the table. So this is where Sabu starts selling his leg to the point of J.T. Smith levels. Douglas starts to work it over, and then Funk hits the ring, and he's actually 30 seconds early, because you can hear him counting down. It's like out there at the count of 30. You will see him do that again at the Royal Rumble in 1997. <laughs> if we ever watch that. He first off attacks Douglas. And 911 actually takes who is Sabu's handler. That really tall gentleman that wheels him to and fro. 
Uh, he's, he, cart, he's cart man. Yeah. <laughs> he carries Sabu to the back. So now we have just Funk versus Douglas. Funk, he hits a pile driver on the outside and then hits some pretty sweet DDTs on the inside. Funk, he clocks Sherry on the outside and DDTs Douglas on the floor. So that's twice Sherry's been abused. Used and abused. Funk, he again collects chairs in the ring, much like when he was piling them up at the last... He cleaned them up after the event, before the event was over? <laughs> Correct. Uh, he tries to get the audience to do the same by, like, waving them in. Bring them in. Hey, guys, yeah. stack them up. Uh, no, it doesn't really work. So, Funk, uh, he neatly stacks them in the center. So this definitely looks like... like he's clicking. building a, fu- a, like a, a funeral pyre. <laughs> yeah, or this looks like he legitimately is cleaning up after an AA <laughs> meeting. But stacking the chairs. He, he hits him, or stacks him in the middle of the ring, and then DDT's Douglas onto the top of all the chairs. And then hurts himself in the process. Which of is kind of, <laughs> that's what that's what his move is. Terry <laughs> Funk's move is hurting himself while hurting other people. <laughs> yeah, but at least like I mean that would hurt. Yeah, it would hurt. So yeah, so he didn't know sell it like it wouldn't. But Douglas, he is the first one up. However, after that DDT, I feel like that would be worse on him. He hits a uh, splash from the top rope. Odd for Douglas. Douglas, he works over Funk's back. And the two end up brawling all around the ring area. Funk, he eventually puts on the spinning toehold. But of course, it gets reversed almost instantly. Because that is the dumbest move ever invented on the face. It is your toe. That's all it is. I know, dude. You can survive without You have ten of them. (laughs) You have nine other toes. And they're very flexible. Yes. The way that they move. (laughs) At this point, Funk busted open. Bleeding everywhere. Funk knocks out the ref. Douglas rams him into an exposed turnbuckle, which I, I don't know if we noticed how it got exposed. I'm sure one of them exposed it. An expose. And what happens when you expose the turnbuckle? It gets used against you. But did it happen this time? I don't know. It did not. No. He, he got a licking with it. Yeah, did he? And then after he got a licking with it, then it got used on Oh, it. yeah, yeah. I remember now. So... The two brawl outside, out of camera view, and then Funk, he ends up crotching Shane and pantses him. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, not, not good. This, and this is all around the 30-minute mark, and eventually Sabu makes his way back out to the ring, and Funk, this is the point where Funk gets on the headset and starts calling out to Sabu and Douglas. He gets on Styles' headset, but of course that's not a, a house mic, so the two have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> so he's like calling him out or whatever. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. So Funk, eventually he goes back to the ring. He gets the toehold on Sabu, but of course again, it gets broken up. <laughs> this time though, Paul E does it. Uh, this is when we really get all three men in the same ring at the same time. So, after the 30-minute mark is when we actually have the three-way dance. Finally, we get the classic three-way sleeper, which is used almost in every three-way match now, which is pretty sweet. It's like a staple. It's a must-do. Required. Correct. <laughs> a Sabu. There's one rule. Yeah, there's one rule. Yeah, that's the one rule. 
Sabu, he hits a nice Arabian moonsault. Arabian nights. Arabian nights. He has Aladdin pants on. Sabu, he sells his leg after that. Finally, the Rottens hit the ring. Axel and Ian. Not Johnny and his brother. <laughs> uh, Jim. <laughs> Jim Rod. Jim Rod. Rob. <laughs> Rob Rod. Ron. Ron Rod. <laughs> that, that's perfect. Uh, so Douglas hits uh, a Pittsburgh plunge on Sabu, but only gets a two count. I don't think it was actually called the Pittsburgh plunge. Is that where you, you dive into a very polluted river? <laughs> With dead bodies and raw sewage <laughs> and medical waste? Yes. And Bruce Willis is on a boat? <laughs> trying to have six with Erica Jessica Parker? What? When Frazier's dad is the killer? What movie is it? Oh, what that's called? What's the movie? You know what, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, the Polish Hill Strangler? <laughs> is Frazier's dad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Took me a minute. Not Niles? No, Niles is something else. He's probably a serial killer in real life. Yeah. Uh, so the Rattans, they uh, take Funk to the back. Then they come back without Funk, attack Douglas and Sabu with chairs. Sabu continues to sell his leg throughout the entire match. It's pretty good. Like, I'm surprised that Sabu doing all this shit, you know, because I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he does a lot of mat work. He's more known for his high-flying craziness. So you don't really pay attention to this stuff. When he does do it, it makes it that much better. Right. Finally, around the 50-minute mark, Funk makes his way back, stumbling back to the ring. Funk and Douglas brawl to the outside. They actually brawl to the outside of the building, if you remember. I do recall. They go behind the... The door's open. Yeah. They were letting everybody out. (laughs) They were afraid that they were going to get a fire or like a health code violation because they had too many... They only only rented the uh, gym until (laughs) 10. Yeah. But they're only out there for just a moment. They come back in. They eventually make their way back to the ring. I don't know what Funk has against Ref, uh, but he headbutts Jamalano again. Yeah. So he must just get off headbutting Refs. Sabu, he hits a moonsault on Funk, then on Douglas. Finally, we get some nice three-way action. Hmm? Or menage. Hmm? Action. Hmm? Menage three, menage trois. <laughs> we get a uh, triple reverse chin lock. Funk then suplexes Sherry and puts her in the spinning toehold. What did she do? <laughs> she's, what did she do? She's gotten beaten up more than the rest. Thrice times. Yeah. She got twad. <laughs> yeah. They pretty much at this point are trading pinfalls back and forth. Fans start losing it, going like crazy, applauding as. We reach the 60-minute mark, which ends up being a time limit draw. And the fans are actually pretty stoked. They give them all a standing ovation, clapping, Huzzah. cheering, huzzahing, what other words? Bowing, handshaking, cheering, laughing, playing, staring deeply into their eyes. <laughs> so, a long match, but all in all, terrific match, Sean. It held my interest for 60 minutes. Held yours for about 50. Right. Because I remember you were snoring there for I a was, little bit. I was, I was a little tired. But I'll tell you, <laughs> um, of all the matches we've watched thus far on the archive, 
this was by far my favorite. Yeah. Um, I, it, it had it had some good mat work, had some good high flying stuff. There was some violence. There was weaponry. There were shenanigans. There was a little bit of everything. There was um, blood. There was blood, right? Yeah. It, uh, it 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 didn't get. There wasn't like sometimes you have a long match and there's like parts of the of the match that get a little bit dull because yeah. you're just trying to go the distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't feel, didn't feel like feel like that. With exactly. This one. I think the the biggest thing they did was they actually teased the three man. You know, for a long for time. for a long time because. Yeah. Funk wasn't in it the first 15 minutes, and as soon as he got there, Sabu went back, and then yeah. the three of them finally did get together for a little bit, but then they took Funk back, so... It was well choreographed. Correct. I thought it was great booking work done there. I like that stipulation that they had at the beginning where the two of them, if if they did pinfall, which you knew wouldn't happen anyway, right. yeah. but just having that little caveat there, that little step, that if they did pin, they would immediately go on to see Funk. And I love that Funk was able to come out to 15, which he gives him the champion's advantage, which I think every champion should have all the time. You should always have the advantage. Sabu looked great, strong, coming back from that devastating knee injury during the match. And then all his mat work that I had really had no idea yeah. that he was capable it's, it's, of doing. Is I, I all often don't enjoy Terry Funk matches. Yeah. And going into it, I was like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be a Terry Funk match. It's going to be a long <laughs> Terry Funk match. It's going to be terrible. It, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't as comical as most. Right. It wasn't <laughs> seven foot chains and... <laughs> brawling on the outside of the bottom of the top of the building. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a sound match, a well-planned match, well-booked match, and well-executed match. Yeah, execution, that was a big one too, because the three guys did put on a great show. Yeah. Douglas, he looked strong. Um, he was the only one that went all 60 minutes. He put on a damn good match, I would say. Funk, he's always, you know, good as the baby face, getting the crowd into it and then getting worked over, constantly bleeding. You know, that really gives gets the fans behind him. And what I did notice, kind of doing some research on this match, Douglas, he was actually, he originally thought this match was like shit and a failure. And he was so disappointed when he got into the back. But looking back and watching it, it changed his mind. So I honestly never lost interest for that whole 60 minutes. I was kind of concerned because I hadn't seen it in a while and I knew it, it went 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, but um, they were able to tell a great story throughout. And like you said, it was well executed. Yep. Anything else on the match itself that you can think of? All in all, pretty good. They, they, they fixed the ring ropes. <laughs> they did. They did. I wonder how long that took. Tighten those up. So, post-match, I don't know if you watch this with me or not, but Terry Funk gave a very emotional interview where he dissed the WWF and the WCW, and he put over ECW and Stars, and how much better it was. Then, uh, Paul E. promotes bias in the ref and rips everyone apart. It's a good good interview. I might have to just play it, because I can't, I can't describe it, but he just claims the refs for bias. And then he tears Funk and Douglas apart. It's nice. Following that, we had a post-match Douglas interview where he puts himself over, the franchise gimmick over. And then this is when Funk comes out and confronts him. And then him and Douglas eventually come to blows as Funk tries to just hand him the belt because Douglas wants Paul or Todd Gordon to proclaim him the champion because he busted everyone up, although it went to the time limit draw. Funk comes out, says, here, take the title. He's like, it'll be better when I win it from you. 
Hey-oh. And then this causes them to break into fisticuffs. Building for the next thing. Correct. I love it. Um, so, I like the the uh, the direct shot calling towards the WCW and the WWE. You love that. I love that shit too. Um, when they call that, out, right? That and that's important for really what they start to do yeah, next. Exactly, and like I like what, like say nowadays like McGregor calling out uh, Mayweather or whatever you know. Right, but he never wins. <laughs> Correct. Ultimately, I think this show is a hundred steps forward as opposed to two steps back. <laughs> yeah, you're the, the totally, one. totally correct synopsis there. Analysis. What's that? It's synopsis and analysis. Analysis. So uh, I think this is the first card that the ECW heavyweight title is actually the headline, mm-hmm. which it should be all it's the usually, time. Usually the first match. <laughs> or not on the card at all. Yeah. The TV championship wasn't defended, but I'll forgive him for that because Sabu was in the final. And they had a 60-minute match. Which, uh, I mean, the the TV champion should be, like, the first person for the heavyweight title, I think. They should always be the number one contender. The tag team uh, championship was vacant. As we kind of said, Joey Styles said it was vacant, but didn't say why. Tasmaniac and Sullivan had a match with the Bruise Brothers, apparently, that ended in controversy. And the public enemy stole the belts. So that's why the tag team belts were hung up. I had to dig in for that. That wasn't mentioned on TV. So, finally, in closing, uh, ECW, tight matches, finally, with the double dog collar match. Stuff like that. Shit I'm into. Good debuts. We had Mike Awesome, the Bruce Brothers. We also had some great booking strategies. The 60-minute match with the 15-minute intro with, with just the two guys. And then the third man would join after, things like that. And then this is, a, to me, a step closer, or maybe even 100 steps closer, to the ECW that everyone else is familiar with and that I loved growing up. Any final thoughts, Mr. Jerry Springer? After this one, I'm just like the next one. Yeah, do you know what the next one is? I do not. What is it? The next one is When Worlds Collide, and there is some big, big names in it. Uh, although this one, one is like, When Worlds Collide! Correct. So that's in May, so we have a couple months to go through. Right. So join us next time as we reopen the Extreme Wrestling Archive.